0: 2012, Frankel wins the Judmont International at York, the penultimate of an incredible run of 14 wins. Great streaks start somewhere, so start your own free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the first race at York on the exchange and get a £20 free bet. With each bet you win, you'll get another free bet streak from Betfair. Exchange back
1: bets on the win market only. £20 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Free bet streak bets will be equal to the winning free bet stake from the
0: previous day awarded at 12pm the following day. valid for 72 hours. T&T Supply, (laughs) 18plusbgamblerware.org.
1: final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners.
2: Roy Delarghi, Tom Bull, and Emmett Kennedy previewing York's first two days, and there should be some exciting racing. The first race we're going to talk about is the Judmont International Stakes, the group one with a small but select field of just five. Gayath, 2.25 in the bet for exchange. Magical, 4.5. Cameco, back up to 10 furlongs, 5.0. And Lord North. 5.0, then you can have whatever you want, basically, about Rose of Kildare. Tom, this is a, an interesting race. I've been against Gaath on both starts this season, which has obviously been a slap to the face. And I haven't learned my lesson because I'm taking him on again. Uh, what is your pick for the JobMont International?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be taking him on too, actually, Ed. Um he, uh, he basically put my theory that he needs a galloping track to bed last time at Sandown. And I got that very much wrong because I, I thought he'd need a big lead, either a big lead or he'd, he just wouldn't win because the, the tight track wouldn't suit him. But, you know, he, he, did, he had an easy lead, but it wasn't a big lead and he, and he kind of just went and won very easily. So he put that to bed. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he gets on going left-handed in England as the only time he's been beaten in England, was at Doncaster on debut when going left-handed. Um, but that was his first start. I don't think it will be an issue, particularly as he won so well at Maidan on his only start there, which, of course, is left-handed as well. Um, for me, without a doubt, the most interesting angle in this race concerns the pace, because we know Magical has bombed out in front in her races so far this season, but I think that's because Connections knew that she was the best in those races and wanted to make things straightforward for her. We've seen on multiple occasions in the past that she can run big races from the midfield or from the rear. I don't think Aiden O'Brien is going to want to bottom her out, trying to chase Garth's ridiculous fractions up front. So I think he will get an easy early lead again, just simply because no one is going to want to try and go with him. And it will be done challengingly, just like we saw at Sandown. And from then, it's simply a case of whether anything is good enough to get past him. I think Magical will struggle here. as She's not beaten anything of note, particularly in her Irish starts this year, and that That has been shown in her rating which hasn't gone up at all. I mean she's obviously a very smart mare um, but this is a lot harder uh, than any of her races recently and potentially harder even than her races when she finished behind the naval in the past and I can see her coming up short here. So for me the one to beat actually is Lord North who put up one of the performances of the season in the Prince of Wales stakes where he made everyone look so slow and I really fancied him for the Eclipse so it was very disappointing when he didn't get the go-ahead to run there. The rate that he's improved from handicapper last year, then to Cambridgeshire winner, then to Brigadier Gerard winner at the beginning of the season this term, then to Group 1 winner, has been absolutely remarkable. And there's no reason at all why he shouldn't come on again, because his, his progress has been absolutely non-stop. And he only has £3 pounds to find with Gaius at the top of the market. And you wouldn't put it past him finding that little bit of progress again, because he has gone from strength to strength. So I would say Lord North, if he was if he is within touching distance coming to the furlong pole of Gaius, will have too much of a potent turn of foot. And I can see Lord North being the one to be here. I think Camiko has got a little bit defined. I wasn't overly impressed with that run at Goodwood, despite the fact he did get boxed in. I don't think he would have beaten the of that day. It's step up to a mile and a quarter. We have to see how he gets on over that distance. I mean, obviously, it suited Roaring Lion, as you all know, but I don't think he's going to be quite good enough to win this. It's a very, very strong race, and I think Lord North and Gaia are two very, very classy horses, and I'm just siding on Jordan Gosling's horse here. I think Lord North is going to just beat Gaiath.
2: We're in agreement on Gaiath. we're in a strong disagreement about Magical. But to be fair, Lord North does have a two-pound swing in the ratings there, Um, 124 to 122. Uh, Rory, your take on this race. uh, To be fair to Tom, Tom was very bullish about Lord North for Royal Ascot, so credit where it's due. A little bit worried about the fact that he hasn't raced since then, and I'm fascinated that the O'Brien team are bringing Magical over here. I think it's the, the right race for her, and... All Aidan O'Brien has done is talk about how she's thriving as a five-year-old, a horse that was meant to be retired at the start of the season. It's also interesting to note that the horse that she beat last time out has been sold for $3 million. I'm, of course, referring to the champion, Sir Dragon A. Jesus Christ, $3 million! Rory, who wins the
0: Judmont? I'm very much in the the Gaeth camp. I was... um I was intending to play the forecast here with um, with Aspertaris now a non-runner, who um, I thought we wouldn't pick up the pieces. Roger Charlton spoke that way about him beforehand, but with him out of the race now, um, uh, you know Tom summed it up there. You, you one, you got two worries with with Gaia. Uh, one is um, that until recently. Um, he wasn't the most consistent, he could put up huge performances and, and, and it's well worth going back and looking at his performance in the Grosser Price from Baden last year, also on the left hand of the Triumph Ground on the slow side of good uh, and he was devastating there and that's when he really um, came to everyone's attention but of course he blew out badly in the arc on his, on his next start. Um, what Charlie Appleby said about him this year is, is last year you know, his races were taking a lot out of him. He was very, very good on his day. But he didn't recover quickly. You know, he wouldn't. He wouldn't necessarily eat his feet when he got home in the evening. Um, he'd be quiet afterwards, and it was difficult to plan a campaign for him. And obviously, I think they they would have prepared to wait longer um, after his his win at Baden-Baden last year. But you know, there's only one arc, and that was the only obvious plan for him uh, in the autumn. Um, and he just didn't uh, just didn't run his race. Um, this track would be absolutely fine for him. I mean, is similar to York in terms of its its um, topography. Um, uh, you, know, you can look at his, his runs this season in this country, and go always oh, seems best on the right-handed track. that's because you've been ignoring the international runs. Um, and he's been—he, you know—he he was hugely impressive at Baden last year, winning by 14 lengths in a Group One. Uh, and I know German Group Ones can be a little bit weak, um, but he was—he um, was devastating that day, and he's been devastating in two runs this season here, and in, in slightly different conditions and over different trips. Now, the other issue with him is that. Um, he wants to. He wants to dominate, and he can go hard, and that can um, uh, obviously have an effect on his rivals. But it can have an effect on him as well. He wasn't finishing as strong as he might have might have at Sandown, uh, all things considered. But you know, he he was he was more damaging to his rivals that day, and then was and then slowed up in the last furlong. Um, but you know, he, he got the job done there. The one thing he could do, you know, he's always been vulnerable because if you go slightly too fast on him. And even though he's the best horse in the race, he could be setting things up for a finisher. Um, in fairness, I, while admitting that's a, that's a slight issue, um, and having looked for holes in him this year, he's a kind of horse he always, he's always going to be a short price based on what he can do, and I thought he's the ideal horse to take on this season. He's been very, very impressive thus far, and with quite a big break bef- between his last two races, he should be, he should be um, in very good condition for this. We know he goes very well fresh. Um, you know, it's been 45 days it's not a, it's not a huge um, time um, but you wouldn't be worried about him coming out of this and being flat after Sandown. Um that would be unusual so he should be absolutely cherry right for this and, and what we've seen of him this season and last um, his, his best performances are better than anything else in this field um, You know, even acknowledging the improvement we've seen from Lord North um, acknowledging Magical's toughness and durability um, acknowledging that Kamika was, was unlucky um, a good Goodwood last time out, and, and was a non-stayer on the Derby. And this could be his ideal trip. Um, guyath wins this at his best. I think that's, I think that's reasonably straightforward. Um, the issue punters have is you know working out whether uh, to to trust him to get everything absolutely spot on on the day. But if he does, he wins. Um, and he doesn't have to lead. And it's what I—I I don't think I'd be really worried about someone trying to try to act as a spoiler. If you look at his again, his bad and bad and win last year, he didn't lead throughout that. Mm. Um, you know, he, he, he settled just behind the lead in the first place. And indeed at Sandown, uh, when he's officially led throughout, he again took the lead in the early strides there. Um, and I don't think he led straight away at Newmarket either. So he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to lead from flag, flag. Um And if somebody wants to go hard in front of him. He will sit behind until he's ready to take up the running so that's a lot of front runners you know are entirely dependent on getting to the front straight away and if they don't um, then it's disaster for them but on several of his best efforts he has not led in the early strides um and it hasn't been a problem for him and in a manner of speaking having something else go hard in front could be a big benefit to him because if you know it means he's not having to do that work himself um and he can regulate his tempo a little bit better by doing it so I can't be against him at all. against. I can, you know, I can see a scenario where he could get beat. It's the same. We end up having a, a similar kind of discussion with with Patash on a regular basis. He can get himself beat on occasion because he can be too keen, and you know, he's a four furlong horse, but he's so much better than his rivals that as long as he does everything right, then he should always win. Um, Gaiath is obviously we're talking about a different trip and a different kind of horse here, um, but he is superior to his rivals um, with that slight kink, um, but he need to be a fair degree of all to for me not to
2: want to back Earlier in the day, the Skybet Great Voltager Stakes, the Group 2, 2.45, is a recognised trial for the St. Ledger and Mogul finds himself in here. The full brother to Japan, a winner last time out at Goodwood, 2.87 on the bet for exchange. Darren, 2. Uh, 3.75. Roberto Escobar, who was really impressive for William Haggis last time out at 8.0 and Highland Chief, 9.0. Uh, Tom, Mogul came good last time out. Is this his ideal trip, and are, do you see him back in the winners' enclosure again?
1: Yeah, I think this is, this is this is a perfect trip for him. I don't see him back in the winners' enclosure. I, I have to say, and I really don't think much of the the middle distance three-year-old colts this year. I have to say, particularly uh, in England, no, I, I've not been taken by them at all.
2: There's only um, one who stands over- out, Tom, isn't there? And that's Mishrif
1: yeah exactly I mean he's done most of his winning in France so mm. um, you know you'd have to say that the ones over here just haven't really set the, set the pulse racing and I know Moguls obviously had no Brian's, but he's been running over here yeah, and even his win in uh, Goodwood last time didn't do much for me I mean he beat Highland Chief who I don't think is really really a particularly exciting animal I mean he did well to win it was nice to see him come back to, to somewhere near his best that we've seen him at um, but I think he's very much you know very much worthy of taking him on he's, he's definitely not you know a certainty in this kind of race particularly when you've got Darae and Roberto Escobar both of whom are very exciting prospects individuals in their own right who could rank a fair bit higher than they have already they've only had two starts. Darain, I thought, will need to settle better than he did in Newmarket last time if he used to win this. Particularly up two furlongs and trip, because he was pretty keen in the early stages that day. And I thought he did well to win because at one stage I thought his race was over. He was on the outside of the field and he was pretty lit up. So even at one to six, I still thought he did well to win that. Um, however, I'm not I'm not so keen on him as I am on Roberto Escobar because I think this horse is very straightforward. Did extremely well at York last time to beat Matthew. Blinders, who'd previously been a winner, and before that, he won by four lengths. He lost a shoe at the start, which didn't help things at all. And stepping up to this trip is gonna help in no end, I think. And the fact that he's had a really good performance at the Navesmar often helps because despite the fact York is a pretty straightforward track in terms of its topography, as Rory was saying earlier, um, it, it can take York horse. Who likes York? Some some horses just don't act on it. And we don't we know that Roberto Escobar does, William Haggis couldn't be throwing him any if he didn't think he was up to it um, and that, that performance last time visually was very impressive and I have to say it was a lot more impressive than Darain's performance at Newmarket in a weaker race so of the two I'd have to side with Roberto Escobar who gets Tom Marquand on now um, yes he's got a fair bit to find on ratings but he's only had two starts and he's perfectly capable of improving enough to trouble the best of these which of course at the moment are Mogul and Highland Chief on form with Pile Driver, who ran no sort of race in the Derby last time but had previously been a very impressive winner at Ascot He's definitely got a chance if if producing his best again. I know William Muir is a huge fan of his. Um, it would be great to see him come back with a bang uh, but I do think that the two Darrain and Roberto Escobar are the most exciting horses in this field particularly Roberto Escobar so I'd be hoping that he could he can produce a big performance back at a course we know he really likes and this step up in trip should be absolutely fine for him um, so I can see him ranking very highly amongst the middle distance colts this year because as I say then there, are, there are many stars on show and hopefully Darrain or Roberto Escobar will produce a superstar performance and hopefully it'll be Roberto Escobar
2: yeah, Darren really interests me because, well way? Hey, he costs 3.5 million guineas as a yearling, so obviously <laughs> my, I'm, I'm drawn to him straight away. But also that pedigree is sensational. Um, a it brother is. to two Darn Hot, Dar and Lati Dar, and uh, Latidar. Latidar, who was second in a St. Ledger to Kew Gardens. The only problem is that they're incredibly fragile. But Rory, your take on the Voltiger? Uh,
0: I, I've got a, the polar opposite view to Tom on this race. Um, I thought both Roberto Escobar and uh, Durian were were underpriced um, on what they've achieved and aren't some yeah you know, they, they are both open to improvement after two starts. But I think the, I think the paradigm of them have a minded decline here um, in, in form terms. Now they're both they're both from very very well respected yards who are sticking them in this race and you've got to respect the trainers for that, suggesting that they will take a fair step forward. But. Um, based on what they would what they've achieved so far um, they, they've got an awful lot to uh, to do here um, and you know I think the pair of them what are we looking at prices wise 2.85
2: um, mogul 3.75 Darren 8.0 Roberto Escobar
0: yeah I mean 11 to four um, about um, durian is, is is too short on what he's achieved uh, and again uh, you know seven to one Roberto Escobar um I'd argue he could be twice that price. Now you, you always have to be very careful. I'm not always have to, to labour the point here. I'm never saying horses cannot win races, but you've um, you know your first job is to price up their relative chances based on what you know about them, at uh, the stage, um, and then you're you know you're obviously a little bit careful based on on potential improvement. Um, and if you price them up in bare form, they'd be um, like sixteen to one and, and thirty three to one. Um, and I think you know clearly they are better than that uh, they're better than the bare that they've shown um, because they've only had the two stars uh, and you wouldn't want to be laying them at the price they should be based on your your algorithm. Um, but similarly I think they've um, I think we, we've gone beyond a bit too far the other way um, we're, we're overrating them based on potential improvement because of this notion that the, um, the three-year-old crop is poor I mean they are part of the three-year old crop anyway um, so it's a bit like you know, destroy society um I thought I thought the although it was a slightly strange race to watch I thought the golden states was very strong this year um and I think again you know it's one of those things if, if you if you've already got a view that um uh, that the the, the three olds who were campaigned for the derby in the first place um, were overrated and potentially over the top now um, then you, by by all means you should you should field against them. But I thought that was a a, a very strong looking race on paper. Um, it didn't necessarily produce the result I thought it would at the time. But I thought it, it produced a result that made per- plenty of sense. Um, Highland Sheep was an impressive winner at um, at Royal Ascot um, before. Um, uh, you know, before finishing second there to Mogul. Um, we discussed Mogul before um, the Gordon, and I remember you saying, about that he was very disappointing in the derby. But of course, you know, um, Aidan Brown talked about how he would need two prep runs before mm. getting to Epsom. Very stuffy. And I think, yeah, and I think you can look at a lot of these horses who were ready early and then were able to line up in the derby because they were more forward than most of their age, not necessarily better. And that's an interesting way of looking at things. Um, but Mogul wasn't quite among those in that. and was very, um, was pretty adamant that he was backward. And really, you know, if he could have put the derby somewhere in the calendar, he'd have put it a month further, further back to give Mogul a chance to get there. Um, so he was, you know, he was badly, badly in need of the run at Royal Ascot. Um, and he had a terrible draw on the derby and he ran pretty well while not being at all knocked about in the race. Uh, and I thought he showed the improvement that you would expect of him to win the Gordon Stakes. Um, subjectivists had been impressive um, when uh, winning the Glasgow Stakes um, at Hamilton prior to that. Um, clearly well suited by that kind of track, Hamilton, uh, Goodwood. I'm not sure I would back subjectivists at, at York. Um, uh, Mark Johnson's horses, uh, if you look at their relative performances at Goodwood compared to York, um, they seem to do a lot better at Goodwood, and it, it tends to suit the way that um, they tend to run. Um, so I'd be against subjectivists. but I thought Mughal, um looked the best horse on that day. I thought the form looked solid enough, for all the margins were were fairly um, small, and I think he will step forward again. Um, and if that's the case, you know he, he's um, he's um, he's got a lot in hand of his rivals, uh, you know the, the likes of Roberto Escobar and, and Durian. Uh, at this stage, we know that they'll be they'll probably be closing the gap because of uh, the fact that you know Durian made his debut in July, so it's clearly, clearly very backward, and it's taken time to, to come to himself. Um, and Roberto Escobar, similarly, um, made his debut a month earlier. Um, but it is, again, what should be, be coming forward. We know there's improvement to come from those. The question is how you quantify it. Um, and looking at what Mogul has achieved, and looking at what they've achieved, I think that they will clearly be cutting into that gap, but I think it's a big gap for them to actually um, erode entirely. And therefore, Mogul looks, looks a solid bet. You're going to get around two to one to buy no you? if you shop around. And I think that's, um, I think in the grand scheme of things, that's, that's uh, pretty decent value.
2: Two to one, a solid bet for Roy DeLarge in the Great Voltager. Uh, let's move on to the Acom Stakes. This is the 2.15 at York. Cloud Bridge is currently favorite for Charlie Appleby and William Buick. Uh, the American-bred spun out of a Stormcat mare is 3.0 on Betfair. Davil for Kevin Ryan, 3.75, uh, and Royal Scimitar, 5.5. Uh, Tom, let's start with you. Juveniles at York, our first taste of them. Who do you fancy here?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a very hard race to work out because so many of these look very good on their debuts or their subsequent performances. Um, Particularly Cloudbridge, last time he was very impressive in what looked a pretty weak race now. The horse that he beat in second was also a good horse, Soft Whisper, who hung right across the track and kind of left the way clear for Cloudbridge bridge but ryan always booked that day very rare booking for godolphin blue and they clearly thought he was going to win or least go close and he's obviously got a big chance but uh, about the, the two to one mark he's taking on some very interesting horses among those is darvel who won really nicely at air last time beating a very impressive debut winner of mark johnson's called Tusa rock that was a really nice performance he traveled into it very 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 stylishly and quick and clear in the closing stage now we know how good Kevin Ryan is at the York meeting. He's had plenty of winners in the past, even in these colours. Uh, of um, Sheikh aid. and um, yeah I just think of, of the ones who have raced so far Darvell impressed me the most last time uh, he's got a rating of 85 which is a pretty good yardstick to aim for um, Tyson Rock further down the bottom also has been given a rating of 85 but Darvell definitely impressed me more than Tyson Rock did last time out and with Kevin Ryan's good record at York he'd be more interesting for me Royal Scimitar uh, was impressive at Newbury on debut Clive Cox's don't often win on debut they are, they're quite you know inclined to come on for the run so the fact that he could do it that day was, was a good point to his his future. Gear Up and Praise of Shadows equally were very impressive and Gear Up I thought did very well to win over this course and distance considering during, uh, he didn't get a clear run and he went on to win by a length and a half beating a, subs- a previous winner Henrik with the pair clear so I thought that was a really good performance as well and Praise of Shadows you, I mean, you can give so many of these chances Praise of Shadows at Chester last week made his debut and he was taking on a couple of shorties in the market he was around about the 8-1 to one mark I think um, but he blew them away he, he knew his job really well for Marco Bossi, who I know has had some really good two-year-olds this season I don't think they've all been unleashed yet because he's got a really good juvenile team um, I know that for a fact and this one Looks one of his better ones. He beat Commonsensical, who'd shown some pretty nice form in defeat coming second and third before that and I thought that was a really good debut performance it's always impressive when a horse who's never run before managed to handle a tight turns of Chester and win going away which is exactly what praise of shadows is I uh, did so he'd be interesting too um, it, it's, it's you know of what, of what they've shown so far it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a guessing game but Darvell's had the benefit of two runs now and the way that he quickened last time to be a really quite impressive winner before that it's just to me that he's got a big future and that Kevin Ryan record at York he'll do nicely for me around about the 3 to 1 mark
2: I'm with you really like Darvell, uh, not just because he cost an absolute fortune as a yearling, but just I did like his, his last performance. <laughs> and I like the fact that he's got that experience as well. Royal Scimitar is the horse that Barry Orr put up. Of all the horses running at York this week, Royal Scimitar is the one that Barry put up. And there's been money today for the Don's horse. Uh, you can listen to Barry Orr and Chris Cook review the weekend's racing and the big stories on the Final Furlong podcast, available wherever you're listening to this right now. Uh, Rory DeLarge, the ACOM.
0: Uh, probably a no, a no bet race for me in the uh, come I
2: thought. In which case, price. let's move on to the 145, the Sky Bet and Symphony Group Handicap. Uh, Rory, you can take it away here because you've moved the market. You put up a horse in the Irish field, and that horse is now trading at 6.5 on the bet for exchange. But when you put this horse up, he was a double figure price. Yeah,
0: listen, a reasonably obvious selectionist race, to one. Um, who was um, and if you're getting 6.5 on the machine um, you must have a time machine because he's very tight at 5 as we speak um, so yeah he's going to be a set of the two shot uh, for this contest and given us a 20 odd runner race at York where the draw will come into come into things um, that's not enormously appealing um, compared to what the, the antipose price was but um, he won very well at at Ascot last time. I what I've always liked with a uh, a proviso. um he's been in my tracker for, for quite a while. Um he's looked always a little bit soft in the finish until recently, but in like a lot of sprinters only really mature from from the age of 5. He was with John Gosden and, and raced over over slightly further um in his younger days. Um he ran very well in this contest last year behind the stable mate. Um, he turned out to be a, a group horse. And I think Jawal could well be heading to, to group company as well based on his progress this season. He was an impressive winner at Doncaster first time out. Um, and then he won um, a, a race at Ascot, um, which was uh, marred by a fatal injury and, and there was a lot of um, shenanigans at the stalls as well. Um, so there wasn't an awful lot of talk about him after that, but he won it, he won it in very good style. Uh, and he just looks at the finished article this year, which he, he hadn't done before. So I think of all the horses in this race, um he's the one that's hope to improve. Um and I think he you know, I think he probably will. He was a horse I wanted to be with, Andy Post. But he's not got a good draw drawing top eleven in my opinion. I think you want you either want to be drawn very high here, uh, close to the stands rail, or you want to be drawn um, low. That's historically how it's been at York. Um you want to be you know, one of the lowest six stalls. Or um, right on the other side, so you've got the, the, the benefit of the reel if you want to use it. Um, being stuck in the middle, obviously, you know, people will say you can you can choose which way you want to go. And it does work out sometimes, but it can leave you in no man's land. Um, and that would be a worry if you're backing a horse at a very short price. Um, looking at, at, at bigger rods um, and looking at the draw, I and I'm clearly I'm looking for a saver at this stage, um having backed him. There's a horse at 50 in the Betfair market who I think is, oh. is overpriced. Oh. Um, I there are a couple of 50 that you could, you could um, get involved in. Um, Jabberrocki for Eric Alston has run really solid races this season. But nothing in hand of a handicap or nothing suggesting that he's, that he's thrown in. But he may well be favoured by being drawn a stall 21. You're taking a gamble on that. But as I said, historically... Um, you tend to get better results one one extreme to the other and he's run us all there's a salt 21 there's a degree of pace there um, and yeah all, all of this the season's efforts have been have been pretty solid. Um, he doesn't have a huge amount uh, to find with, with Jawal on the book um, his trainer had a double at Catterick yesterday uh, the first of those was a lighter uh, went over a reasonably short price favorite but was was available all-round at 8-1 the day before, which isn't an indication that it was gambled on per se, more that the, um, the odds compilers tend to ignore this trainer's horses. Eric Allison's a very good trainer. He's been around for years and years and years, and he, you know, he'd be one of the senior trainers in the country. Um, but he's trained champion sprinters in his time. Um, he knows very much how to get the best out of them. So we had a double on the card there at Caterick. Um, Jabberocky, I think, will run a solid race. Ben Curtis booked for him as well. He's the kind of horse I'd be happy to back six places at, at you know 28-1 or bigger. But as I said, at the moment on Betfair, he's 50 to back, 65 to lay. So you should be able to get 50 to one or bigger uh, about him for small stakes. As I said, I'm not talking um, have your bank on him. Have a small bet on him at those sort of prices. Um, I've already made the case for it a while, but value is the key here. And I think the market, again, has probably overreacted slightly at the top there. Um, and yeah, he, he appeals. As I said, there, there are a couple of uh, biggish prices who, who do appeal, but he'd be the one at the current odds. Um, who I think would be
2: worth a saver at the price. DeLargi has already moved markets with Joao. 14s into now that have hit refresh. 4.0 on the bet for exchange. Collapsing in price. Now Jabbaraki will start to absolutely contract in price as well and end up going off 7-1 to 1 probably. Um, outrageous stuff. I, I thought this was quite obvious, Tom. I thought this was quite obvious. Sometimes the racing game just gives you something very, very obvious and you got to take it. And clearly Magic J is going to win because Phoenix Thoroughbred Racing announced we're quitting racing in the UK with immediate effect. But here's Magic J. Oh, wait. No, they've had loads of runners since then. And they've got more more horses entered, including one for the Ebor. What are you doing, Phoenix? We talked about that in the podcast yesterday as well. Are you sticking around or not? It's ridiculous nonsense. Uh, Tom, who do you like?
1: Yeah, no, interesting you say that, uh, actually, Emma, because he's wearing first-time blinkers, which is apt for their blinkered approach uh, to, to everything. Um, <laughs> I, you I agree. won't answer
2: any questions.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Probably shouldn't have said that. Um, allegedly. Allegedly they won't
2: answer any allegedly, questions. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. uh, allegedly is your uh, friend, Tom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I agree with Rory. I think Jawal is is very much the one to beat. He's he's done nothing wrong. He's he looks very exciting, kind of going forward as a handicapper. Um, but I, I'll put one up each way. I'm not hugely strong on this race, but I do think Lahore, who I've put up on this on this podcast in the past, yeah. um, and then ran no sort of race at Newcastle when I did, um, is definitely capable of running a big race over this course and distance because. I think this extra half furlong is really going to suit him he won at York over the Flying Five a couple of starts ago and then was kind of faced a pretty tough task in a conditions race last time in soft ground which I really don't think he handles because last time he'd been seen in heavy ground was at Donnie and he got beaten quite a long way that day back in October last year um, and then was yeah I just don't think he really likes to handle that kind of ground so back on a sounder surface um, we kind of saw what he's capable of at York two starts ago when he beat Acclaim the Nation flying home got up late in the day he clearly stays this trip really well and I think off of just three. Pound high mark, Lahore would be a would nice be selection, but as I said, I'm not hugely strong on the race.
2: 15.0 for Lahore, who's coming out of stall five with Ronan Scott. Uh, the last race we'll talk about is the 345, the two mile handicap. Um you can kick us off here, Tom. Who do you like?
1: Yeah, um yeah, it's, it's a very competitive little race, this one, isn't it? I, I, I <laughs> when the um declarations were made, I was quite a big fan of solo saxophone for uh, for Ben Haslam. But having looked at it harder and for longer and longer, I, I do think possibly a £10 high mark for his win at York a couple of starts ago might just be a little bit too much to handle. And one that I do really like is our old friend Four Leaf Clover Tom Clover Um, Monsieur Lambrays, who won very very nicely up to two miles at York last time out when last seen a few weeks ago beating Red Royalist but it was quite notable the way he came through the field that day um, I thought he wasn't going to win then he suddenly found a powerful kick coming towards the end of the race and he'd already won a race before that he's obviously really progressive uh, sorry four of his lost six starts resulted in victories and um, the step up Two miles. I think possibly was a little experiment from Tom Clover, because I think he possibly thought he might be too harshly handicapped over slightly less far. And now that he knows that he stays this far, well, the world is his oyster. So I think Monsieur Lambrays off just a eight-pound higher mark. I say just an eight pound higher mark, but it is a big thing for him that he gets two miles. This might not be uh, the ceiling of his ability just yet. And I can see Monsieur Lambrays and Jack Mitchell going really, really close here. Um it's a race that I really like. I've always really liked this race and, um, hopefully he can, he can kind of continue my decent run in it and, uh, yeah, he'd be my pick in that.
2: Tom Four Leaf Clover Clover to get the job done for us. Rory.
0: Um, I, I thought make my day had blindingly obvious claims. Um, most of these, I was, I know the going is, is given us goods all around. Um, just wonder if, it, if there might be just a little bit more dig in it than that. And that would be a slight concern from Michelle Ambrace, who's obviously produced his, his best effort on on good firm ground here. Um but he's obviously interesting enough. But Make My Day, again, if it was a little bit softer, you'd be even more confident. But he showed um, he should improved form with each of his starts. Um to do it. Unusual for anyone to move a horse away from John Galston, though. Mm. Um, but that's what um that's what the American owners of, of Make My Day did. I made his debut for Rafe Beckett. Um, at the course over a mile and a half uh, and won very well um, from Prejudice. Um, that was in similar grind. It was in good grind. All his runs for John Boston were on, on good to softer, softer. Uh, so he clearly doesn't want the grind too quick. Um, but that that looks decent form to me. Um, there, the, you know, there were some reliable horses in behind that day. Um, I mean, my day also gave the impression that he would... Um, he would stay at least a mile and three quarters um, and probably two miles. And I guess the opportunity to prove that here. So I, it was one of those races that often you go around in circles for a while, but he was the first horse I looked at. I mean, obviously, just Schubert did me a favour um, last time out, um, but I'd not be um, I'd not be rushing to back to back him over a shorter trip um, off a, a four-point higher mark here. Um, but Make my day, yeah. 90 seems seems very fair. I mean, he's, he's one off six pounds lower, um, last time out in a competitive handicap by two and a quarter lengths. Um, and that was you know, the, his first handicap start, only the fourth start of his life, first start of the season. Everything about it suggests he should step forward on it. And, um, uh, he's he's a fair price, I think. Here, he's I mean, he's he's at the head of the market, but he's not like a he's not like a, like a six to four favorite, he's he's more like five to one, isn't he? So mm. Um, I'm trying to dig out the price. He has to back at the moment. I think that's very fair. Um, you know, we, we, we automatically try to get away from short price favourites, but if the favourites are, are going to be that price in the first place, sometimes when you put up a, a 10 or 12 to 1 short, you end up with a 7 to 2 SP anyway. So um, I, I, think he's a, I think he's a very solid favourite on, on what we saw of him last time. Uh, and the prospects of him improving again seem pretty bright.
2: I like it, Rory. That's our look at day one of York on the Wednesday. We will look at Thursday and day two next. 2012,
0: Frankel wins the Judmont International at York, the penultimate of an incredible run of 14 wins. Great streak starts somewhere, so start your own free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the first race at York on the exchange and get a £20 free bet. With each bet you win, you'll get another. Free bet streak from Betfair. Exchange back bets on the
1: win market, only £20 free bet awarded at bet when Free bet streak bets will be equal to the winning. Bet stake from the previous day
0: awarded at 12 p.m. the following day, valid for 72 hours. T supply, 18 plus
2: And day two kicks us off with the Darley Yorkshire Oaks, where love is a very, very short priced favorite for Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore. Tom, is there anything that can stop her here? She'll reoppose with Frank, Frankly Darling, but really this should be a win on the way to the arc. Uh
1: yes, it should be a win on the way to the arc. I think she'll be very hard to beat. It's an interesting race, though, that is for sure. It's not a one-way traffic, in my opinion, because there are some exciting periods in there up against her. Most particularly, I really like One Voice. I thought she was... I really liked her before the NASA, and I was disappointed she couldn't win, actually, because she kind of got boxed in a little bit. I'm not sure whether she would've beaten Fancy Blue, but she would've got mate even closer than she did and she produced a really fantastically potent turn of foot, didn't she, to try and guide her down in the closing stages. Um, on pedigree, the step up to one mile four should be fine for one voice. She's got plenty of winners in that pedigree, over a mile and a half. And Jessie Harrington sent her over, clearly likes her. She's improving rapidly. Now, obviously, an awful lot to find with Ludd, who produced one of the performances of the season, if not the performance of the season, from a filly in the Oaks. Absolutely destroyed them that day. And that race slightly fell apart visually I think Ennis Simon hasn't exactly franked the form since then having been beaten by Laburnum in a, uh, a weaker race recently um, But and we we obviously yet to see Frankie Darling who's coming out and taking her on once again this time and um, so yeah I mean on all, all known form all known ratings love is very much the one to beat but I, I am going to be going for one voice I think at the prices I, I just think one voice if, if tackling this one, mile four and she's as good as she is over mile two, you never know, she might even improve for it. She she is a very, very classy filly and she is improving quickly. So I'm going to take her on with one voice. It might be foolish, but, um, you know, at the, at the prices, she appeals to me a lot more, obviously, than love being what, one to three, whatever she is. Um, I think Franconia's got too much to find. I wasn't particularly impressed with that victory last time out. Um, despite the fact that all she did beat in second, goal one is clearly smart. I mean, she was put in that place quite, you know, markedly um, before that. And uh, Alpinista won well last time out. Uh, again, for Sir Mark Prescott, who seems to be doing nothing wrong at the moment. She beat Award Scheme by three and a quarter lengths. So that was a really good performance, actually. And stepping up to one mile four now. Uh, it's definitely the world is her oyster, but this is probably going to come a little bit too much too soon. And Manuela de Vega's got to give a huge amount of weight away, which basically... whatsoever ...on ratings. Um, so so you can't really go with her. So I think it is between the, the two Irish raiders, love and one voice. Um, you know, if love produces her performance that she did at, at Epsom last time. She'll obviously be mighty hard to beat, but this is a very different track. There's no undulations. Um, I think the, two, the, 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 the pace last time at Epsom by, set by Tiempo, Weller, and Passion was a very, very strong one. It won't be as strong this time. I think Love was able to pick up the pieces quite well that day. And um, One Voice has got a very, very smart turn of foot. So if they don't go much of a pace this time, which I can see. I think Alpinista will lead, but I don't know necessarily they're going to go as fast as they did in the, the, uh, the Epsom because I think uh, one horse has definitely got a chance to, uh, to to at least throw down a serious challenge.
2: I can see where you're coming from, Tom, and certainly taking on an odds-on favourite to Grutter was beaten in this race when it was considered that all she has to do was gallop around. Uh, Rory, for you, the Yorkshire Oaks?
0: I, I think the only worry with love is the fact that this, this race had a bit of a reputation of... Um, of being a graveyard for favourites for a while, but um, it hasn't been recently. Uh, with the last three winning, obviously two of those being enabled. Um It may well be that one voice is is the main danger to her again, but if it's it's not like you're simply relying on the on the yoke's form. Um she was if she'd missed the Oaks she'd be favourite for this. Love. Um based on what she did in the Guinea's. Um, she was I thought she was absolutely devastating at Newmarket. Um, and you know however you want to you know you can poke holes in the actual form of the way that race was run um, and argue that it suited her better than anything else um, and it certainly helped to, to produce a very fast time um, all things considered uh, um, there's a record for the race wasn't it but obviously slightly marginally different trip because the race was run on the same day as the Derby as it has been in recent years but um, she's um, uh, she was tremendous there and she was tremendous at Newmarket um, and I don't like backing horses at her price, especially when you think, you know, this is kind of a stepping stone to the arc. Um, and you wonder whether they've eased off a little bit on her. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean you've got value against her. Um, you know, what's, what's the true price of a, of a horse I love in this race? Um, it's, not, um, it's not much bigger than it is at the moment. Um, so while I'd probably not have a bet in the race, um, I certainly don't want to be against her. I think, um, I think her price is probably um, still on the conservative side. Uh, if you, if you're into that kind of thing, um, and she's going to take an awful lot of beating, hopefully give us one of the, um, one of the highlights of the meeting.
2: This is definitely a race. You can just sit back and watch it's a stepping stone to the arc enable doesn't turn up. She was going to go for her third win this race, but it's the right decision. The arc is all about, uh, the, the arc is the target for the Goslin team with her. And you don't really want to be getting into a clash with love this early. So hopefully she puts on a show and uh, and comes home in front and then it's all systems go for the arc and we have that, that big, big race to look forward to, which will be live in Sky Sports Racing. Uh, the 3.45, the Henry Cecil Galtry Stakes award scheme heads the betting, round about 6.0 along with Gold Wand for Roger Varian uh, and Lady G for William Haggis. Uh, he's also got Sea of Faith in here as well, same colours as the horseshoe Sea of Class who won the Yorkshire Rocks a couple of years ago for William Haggis. Uh, Rory, lead us off with the Henry Cecil listed race, 345, on Thursday.
0: Um, n- not one of my. Usually, used a race I was actually very fond of, the, the Golfer Sticks, uh, back in the days when I just followed Luca Comani blindly, as always, he always used to like aiming his fillies at um, before going to, to Doncaster for the, the Park Hill. Um, so it's not one that's. Um, uh that absolutely um, sets me alight at this stage but um i'd maybe give i'd maybe give vivian another chance um she was a little disappointing um behind uh, manuela de Vega uh, in the pinnacle sticks but that was her first run of the season and she just looked um she looked a little bit rusty um and didn't didn't really get the run of things um you wouldn't greatly fancy her. Um, on that form, but um, Fanny Logan, who was the beaten favourite that day, came out and, and smashed the um, the, uh, the older colts um, in the Hardwick Stakes next time out, um, and the form of the race is, is uh, pretty sound But it's not so much that the, the form; it's, it's the impression she gave last season um, that she was progressing all the time and would, and would step up again this year. Obviously, she didn't really. She runs a similar, you know, similar form as, as she was showing when um, when runner up in this race um obviously she's got more weight to shoulder this time around uh, she's only had the one run since but it's interesting that Sir Michael has brought her back for for the cultures for another go um and although she has a little bit to find with the likes of award Scheme and see a faith um I wouldn't be at all surprised to see her belatedly take that step up and again um the start yard in, in very very good form at the moment so I would I would favor her but again it wouldn't be um it's unlikely that on the day it should be my nap, put
2: it that way. Mm, fair enough. The, the old duo of Ryan Moore and Sir Michael Stout with Vivian for Chiefly Park. Uh, Tom, for you, the answer to the 345
1: is? Yeah, I, I like Lady G. Uh, for William Haggis and Tom Marquand, she, she gets loads of weight here from some of the older horses and the way that she finished second last time having improved so much from that third at Yarmouth beforehand finished second behind Cabaletta, who then ran a pretty decent race behind a Glorious Goodwood in the Lily Langtree I think that performance was, was pretty good in the, in the context of this race and after just three starts Lady G the way that she has improved from her second start to her third start which suggests that she can improve again from her third to her fourth. And, um, she must be one of the highest rated maiden fillies in the country. I would have thought around about 101. Um, you know, she, she's definitely got a race like this in her. She's only one pound below the top race in this race. And I think there's going to be loads more from her this season. And so Lady G would, re- would really interest me. I think she's going to, you know, this trip is going to, is really going to suit her in time. I think she's a, she's a proper stayer. And, um, yeah i can i can see her going very close and she's she's definitely most exciting for me in this race and one of the most likely raced and definitely has very
2: strong claims Juvenile Phillies go to war in the Lowther Stakes, the 145 over six furlongs. Uh, sacred for William Haggison, Tom Marquand heads the betting at around about 3.5. Santosha for David Loughran and Thomas Greatrix, uh, 5.0. Halla 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 for Kevin Reinhorst, we talked about in the show in the past, has had a wind operation. First run since then is around about 6.5. And then Miss Amulet for Ken Condon and James Doyle, 11.0. Um, let's start with you, Tumble. Where's your money going in the Lowther 6?
1: Yeah, with the last name that you just mentioned, uh, Emmett, Miss Amulet. I think she's got a really big chance for Ken Condon. I was oh, I'm so Ken impressed. With... <laughs> I was so, I was just so impressed with the way she beat Frenetic last yeah. time. Who obviously is a very, very fast filly um, who then went uh, and that form with a very impressive victory at the Curra last week. Um, she was short of room at a crucial moment. Then as soon as she got room, Miss Amulet ran on quickened really well and went away from frenetic, making frenetic almost slow I have to say and that form is very very strong the big question for Miss Amulet is whether she'll cope okay with the step up to six furlongs here I don't see it being too much of a problem because she hit the line really strongly that day um, but obviously until she does it we get to see but around about the 10-12 to 1 mark I think Miss Amulet is massively overpriced here she's rated 103 which is one of the highest in the race and um, she's had more starts than her fellow horses but that's not a bad thing particularly you know for some of those who might be fine this is coming too soon in their career? I mean, there's 14 runners in this, and you need to have experience to handle a field like that. And I think Miss Amulet is going to be do- running very well. I'm really glad James Doyle has been booked for her. It's a very positive jockey booking. I can see Miss Amulet if, if stepping up to six furlongs going very close here. I mean, it's a really, obviously, really strong race. Sacred has got that form from Royal Ascot. She needs to prove that she can step up to six furlongs as well. And Santosha for David Loughnane. It's great to see him with a really, really smart filly. Um, she won very nicely last time. But I think Miss Amulet's got that form of beating Frenetic. Looks very, very strong. I would have fancied Frenetic for the Nunthorpe had she been running in it and come over for Joe Lyons because I think that the flying five 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 of York would have suited her down to the ground. So, Miss Amulet, provided she takes takes the six furlong step up in her stride, is the one for me.
2: I'm completely in agreement with you. I really like Miss Amulet for this race. Rory, what about you?
0: Uh, I couldn't agree less.
2: Oh, for God's <laughs> sake! Are you intentionally taking on Tom each time here? <laughs>
0: no, no, we, we did a lot, we did a, we've done a bit of agreeing this time. I we did a lot of agreeing last time, but the, I, I, think that's dreadful form. Jeez. I think the form of the Marwell Stakes is absolutely dreadful. Um, a, a group company. Um, for me, what happened in that race was Frenetic lived up to her name and went too fast. Um, and she didn't see it out thoroughly and Miss Amulet picked up the pieces later on. I mean, she obviously showed have. she appeared to show a, a pretty smart turn of foot and she did come from, from off the pace having not, um, not the, not the clearest of runs, but that ended up being a blessing in disguise in a race where they finished slowly, um, for the trip. Um, the, um, the close up fourth dense star, um, was stuffed at odds on next time out in a, in a maiden race, I think at Dundalk, um, there are there are good horses in the race, but it wasn't a good race, in my opinion. And Miss Amulet is, is flattered in my view, um, by the ease of the win. I'm not saying she's not a good filly. Um, but I think the idea that that's very strong form is, is, um, is dubious to me. Uh, and she may come and win this. She's, she's tough and she's progressive. Um, but again, frenetic, you know, she, she did win last time out, but she didn't have to improve to do so. And she's, She's um she's just a fast filly who seems to have reached her ceiling fairly quickly. Um so I'm um I'm I'm against that. Um I don't think she's a I don't think she's a dreadful price in this. I just think, you know, when you look at it through when you take the view that I do about the, the strength of firm um, of the Marwell Stakes, I think her price here makes sense. So I'm not saying she can't win this, but but I take a different view about the previous race, which is why I take a different view on the uh, on the likely outcome of this, uh, which is that um, I think Sacred um, will prove different class to these, assuming she's not on the wrong side of the track. She's on a, st- drawn a stall twelve uh, in a biggish field, and that that could see her away from the uh, the main pace. Um, but as long as she's um, as long as she's able to, um, you know, it, as long as it doesn't turn out that being being in twelve is just is just a disaster. And you can't win from there. Um, then I wouldn't be at all worried. I think she's a fair price. Um, she was really impressive on debut in a race um, that was one of the early two-year-old races. Those early races were remarkably strong because all of the Royal Ascot contenders needed to win or run well to get into Royal Ascot. So rather than avoiding each other and having these less competitive races, the first couple of days of two-year-old racing at Newmarket were tremendously strong. Um, and she was an impressive winner first time out despite the fact that she wasn't wound up. For a horse of her pedigree from the William Haggis stable to start eleven to one uh on Davy suggested she wasn't particularly expected. She was I thought she was very impressive in the end. And she's then t- taken a big step forward um to come second to uh, to Campanelli in the Queen Mary. That was a that was a um a very that was the strongest uh, the stronger of the two Phillies races um at Royal Ascot uh, for the, the juveniles. The form has worked out really well. Caroline Dale, who was who was third at a big price, has franked that form well since. Um, um, she was beaten last weekend, but she's had a very busy time and probably needs a break, as her owner said. Happy Romance, who was fifth, um, has franked the form since, of course. Um, go back, Dickie Dudai was tenth, wasn't that far behind the horses we're talking about um, in Ireland. Star of Emirati was eleventh, has uh, sort of Group two to her name now. Very, very strong form, and Sacred was by far the best of the... Uh, the local challenge there she's been kept for this she's been off for two months since and you can you can decide that you're you find that a little bit worrying william haggis is a very proud yorkshireman who loves nothing more than to get winners at this meeting and it's pretty clear to me that he's he's um had his eye on this race immediately after the queen mary and that's what he wants this for to win before she goes to new market for the cheapy park sticks um sponsored by her owners later in the season. She looks absolutely outstanding to me. And the only worry is y- you'd be slightly worried if the ground got very soft. Um obviously we don't we're not expecting a huge amount of rain, but there will be rain overnight uh, Wednesday into Thursday. And if it got soft uh, I I might sit in my hands. Um she's by seed and excel. Um uh, they don't as a rule want her too soft her, her form so far has kind of a good deferment. And um, Maybe just on the easy side of good, I'd ask it. And if it was good or even, you know, um, good, good or soft in places, that'd be fine for her. If it turned genuinely soft, then I'd maybe leave it alone. Um, but for me, she looks um, a fair bit better than the rest of these.
2: Polly Schwartz from Roy Delarge about sacred in the 145. The 245 is the Clipper Logistics Handicap. It's over a mile. Uh, briefly on this one, Tom, who is taking your fancy for Thursday?
1: Yeah, three words for this one, Emmett. Devious company wins. Um, Oh, sorry, we won the wrong race there. (laughs) That's
2: all right. Spoiler alert for the next race. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder wonder who is Tom going to put up in the 2.15? (laughs) Who could it be?
1: (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Yeah, look, the Clipper Logistics Handicap, very, very, very competitive. Um, I like Uzo, I thought. His run at Ascot last time it was better than the bare form would suggest, and on his second before that, where he finished well clear of the third at Newmarket, I thought he was a kind of winner in waiting. But the one I do like more than that is documenting uh, for Kieran Fallon in the saddle, who won really nicely at York last time out um, over seven. This is a, obviously a, a big step up, and he's gone up a lot in the weights. But I like the way he won that day. He's always tempted me as being a uh, possible stakes performer in the making when he gets older. So documenting would be one for me, but it's very competitive and he's not particularly strong selection. Um, it'd be very interesting how top rank gets on. He's won all four of his starts so far and clearly has the world at his feet for James Tate. But at the prices, I'm a fan of documenting with with Kieran Fallon taking off that handy three bands.
2: Okay. Uh, documenting. I have a feeling you're going to have a strong selection for the next race though. Rory, uh, the 245?
0: Um again I put one up in the field for this um, which is the blindingly obvious prompting uh, who won the um, uh, won the Golden Mile? at Goodwood he won um, his previous race um, at York again might uh, might be worried if the ground came up soft his, his wins this season have come good to firm um, and most of the family want top of the grind. So if it turns if it turns soft, that would be a concern for him. Um, but I've got no doubt that he's capable of winning off his current mark. I know he was racing off seventy three earlier in the season, but um, he's just he comes from a family that um, the Phillies tend to come to hand very early, and the and the, uh, the colts tend to be a little bit slower um, in in reaching maturity. Um, and he's he's one of those. He's really blossomed um, since uh, David Amara got him. He's won all three starts for the yard. He's won with tons in hand every time, and the interesting thing about his last run, um, I thought I thought he won that really easily. The Golden mine. obviously, he was it he was a hot favourite, three to one of the day, because he just sneaked into the bottom of the handicap, and horses like him don't tend to get into races like that. So he was getting chunks of weight all around. But it was interesting that a number of people I know thought Urban Icon was a desperately unlucky loser. I can't really have that, um, in that you know, Urban Icon came from a, from a, a um, a difficult position. He had to wait for his gap and then he sort of weaved his way through the field. I, I thought it was really eye-catching. You couldn't help but be, be drawn to, to Urban Icon's run through the field. But in, in, in spending your time watching him, you weren't watching prompting. you also had to wait for his gap. Obviously, he was, he was drawn to Stoltou, so he had a good draw, but he had to sit behind the leaders waiting for the gap to appear before Harry Bentley asked him a question. When he did get out and Harry asked him, he, was, he very quickly put the race to bed and then he sidled in front. Um, and won by length and a half I thought he you know he gave the impression there that there was more to come he's up to 95 but again you know for a horse to win the golden mile um, and also when he a competitive handicap here on his previous at the previous meeting and still to be getting in towards the bottom of the waist it's still nine he has in this you know when he's very much at home in this grade I don't think the handicap has stopped him at all as I said maybe don't back him at the moment um, grind depending on what the grind is like um, but he was an obvious one. So I've got to mention him because I put him up in the, in the, the field. No idea what the grind was going to be, but I still think he's ahead of his mark. Um, aside from him, I would definitely give Light and Dark um, a second look. He's been off the track for a year. Um, for me, Saeed Bin Saruwa is probably at his best bringing older horses back from long absences. Um, that tends to be when you get the best of the although of good often horses trained by Saeed. Um, they don't always hit the mark early on, um, but he showed very good form early last season, uh, winning on his handicap debut at, um, uh, at Newmarket. And he went up a lot in the weights after that. His next run was uh, in a competitive handicap at Goodwood, where he was disappointing. Similarly, on his next start, but he's just the type that Godolphin give a long break to, bring them back, and they suddenly refine re- their form. His um, mark is fair on what he achieved at, at Newmarket. He's probably a, a decent price for this. Um, he's got a good draw as well, he's well well. four. I think you want to be drawn um, on the low side here. The one thing you can do in the round course at York, if you're drawn very high, you've got the the possibility of um, keeping out of trouble and maneuvering yourself around the outside of the field. Whereas if you're in the middle, you tend to get more of the trouble. Um, But there is a a positive bias towards those drawn fairly low here. Uh, Light and dark's drawn four and is drawn five. Um, You could argue that, that softish ground would be a potential negative for both of them, but if it's good, it'd be fine. Um,
2: and that would be my shortlist for the contest 22.0 about light and dark for Godolphin Uh, the last race we're talking about on this episode is the 215 at York Tom I have a feeling you're going to really fancy a horse here
1: (laughs) yeah I mean Devious Company wins I mean I'm going to say it again because he does win Um, it would be a massive massive shock if he didn't win this is it's the kind of race where you know you've got a very highly rated horse you own a highly rated horse Throw him in a race like this because it's got so much money to the winner. And provided that Devious Company runs to anywhere near his rating, he's a stone clear of anything else in this race. And he just wins because that performance last time, two lengths to, two lengths second to battleground, is very, very strong form in the context of this race. It's the strongest form in the race by quite some margin, as is the second to Master of the Seas before that. We saw St. Lawrence come out and win at the weekend. He was fourth in that race. The form has worked out really well. And Marshal of the Seas could be anything. He only finished three lengths behind him, two lengths behind Battleground. That form is well away by far the best form in this race. So he should win this and should win it well. I know it's a big field, but so many of these don't count. And more often than not, in this kind of contest, you want to side with the horses who have been there, done it, and got the rating on the board. And he is exactly that. He's got plenty of speed. Um, dropping back to six furlongs is not going to be no problem for him at all and he'll be finishing really strongly at the line. So Devious Company has got to have a massive chance in this race. Happy Romance won really well last time out, beating Jojo Rabbit, who's unfortunately not really gone on Frank the Form Yes, She won after that, but um, performance in the nursery at the weekend was pretty abysmal. Um, however, Happy Romance has to have a chance, um, but you know has a huge amount of final ratings with the favorites. Um, Tinocchio, likewise, has got a mountain to climb. Um, finished four, like four and a half lengths behind Happy Romance. It's possible he can turn the tables, but unlikely. On Un- Uncle Jumbo um, has got a lot to make up, but Kevin Ryan is so good at York, he'd have to have a chance. He beat significantly on debut, eighteen to one, so it's clearly unfancied that day. Has Ryan more in the saddle this time? Will be much more fancied now. Um, the one that I think will probably finish second, um, if you can say that in a race of this nature, is Line of Departure, who beat Ataza in a pretty hot nursery at Ascot last time. There were plenty of previous winners in that race, but he won well. He travelled into the race. Really nicely, and although he's had five starts, he seems to be improving with every single one. Um, and Roger Varian has done very well with him because I think at one stage he looked pretty he looked pretty mediocre in terms of ability. But since finishing second to Royal Scimitar, he's then gone on to finish first in the Yarmouth um, handicap, and then that really good nursery at Ascot last time where Ataza had previously won as well. So that form looks very strong. Um, he has a bit to find in ratings, his likes of happy romance, but I mean, Devious Company, Emma, is going to win this race if he runs to his best form. And there's no reason to why he shouldn't. And to be honest with you, he should win this race even if running slightly below form because he, he is he is the best horse in this race. And if, if only horse racing was that easy, but in this case, hopefully it will be.
2: He's got form with two of my favourite juveniles of the season, Master of the Season Battleground. Devious Company, fill up the wheelbarrow, get as much as you can on.
1: Also, what I should say as well is that um, obviously, all this talk of ratings, but I mean, he's, he's got—he hasn't got to give any weight away. He's carrying, apart from to the mm-hmm. um, down the bottom, but only one horse is carrying eight stone nine. Every every horse, every other horse is carrying nine stone. So Devious Company is so ridiculously well in; he has to win.
2: <laughs> Rory, all I want to hear from you is a line saying Devious Company wins, backing up Tom. Uh,
0: although Tom Dascom has a, only one winner. From his last fifty runners. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, Devious company should win. Yay! but, yeah, yes. but, but there, that there's there's the, there's the only the issue you have. That's fine. The,
2: That's uh, okay. Oh. That's okay. Load up the wheelbarrow, uh, Roy Delargy. Your best bet for the first two days of York is
0: ooh uh, sacred in the lither.
2: Oi, Tom
1: tumble. Um. very good question I'd have to go with Lady G in the Galtris getting loads of weight and should be improving enough to land a race like this one so she'd be my pick
2: put the loot down on Magical in the Judgment International she'll duff up gay I'll have to do another apology to get off on now on Thursday show uh, that's it we're back to look at uh, the rest of York on Thursday my thanks to Tom Bull
0: thank you very much David. Rory Delargy thank you
2: and to you for listening really appreciate it hope you enjoyed it hopefully there's plenty of gravy there come on Devious Company more Devious Company in the final furlong podcast Thursday see you then God bless will it happen or won't it happen you can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange proud sponsors of the final furlong podcast
1: have you downloaded the free at the races app yet with easy to
2: use race cards and form Expert daily tips plus video replays and in-app betting is the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app
1: for more details.